0: Grand Blank. Good morning, Canada Creek. We've got about 50-ish people that are, that are gone to Canada Creek. We've got probably another 20 people that are on their way to Traverse City for a marriage retreat. So we have two marriage events going on this weekend. So you're like, where is everybody? It's not COVID, just so you know. It's not you're like, where is everybody? Something's going on. It's like, well, they're, they're not here because they're off doing other things. They'll be back next week. And uh, we are going to continue this vision to win the loss at any cost. Now today, I want to talk about the cost. How many of you guys know there's going to be silence at certain times? Your message—that was one of them. I, I enjoy that was a that was a pause because it was a giggle for me. There's gonna, there, there's a cost to this, and and one of the things that I think is the cost is we're going to have to interact with people that maybe don't understand us, don't understand Jesus, don't understand truth. And 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 nowadays, how many of you guys know that if you are on the other side of an issue, whatever that issue is—mass, politics, uh, race, gender, um, gender fluidity. Uh, the Bible, the Quran, like how many guys know there's always been things that have separated people, say amen. But I think more so than ever there's at least in my lifetime, probably since the late sixties, there really is a sense of us or them and war. And so the, the thought that it's going to cost me, I'm going to have to risk approaching somebody to tell them about something. They may love me. They may hate me. They may accept us. They may not. They, they may love Jesus. They may hate Jesus. And I'm going to take that risk. And I think one of the greatest costs that we run into is kind of like a lifeguard, right? You swim out. Somebody's drowning, and you grab a hold of them. It's not uncommon. Like, one of the things you have to teach a lifeguard is how to knock the person unconscious. Like, let them drown a little bit if they're fighting. Does that make sense? How many of you guys have teenagers? You know what I'm talking about. You have to let them kind of fail a little bit, let them drown a little bit. And when they're, when they're so full of water that they give up, then you can wrap them, then you can swim backwards, then you can get them on the surfboard or whatever. But sometimes, like, we, we can become our worst enemies. We, we don't know what to do, but we know that it's scary, and we fight people that are trying to help us. And I, I believe that most often that's because of lies that have been believed. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? But know this, guys. Lies are a lot easier to believe when you've been hurt. Lies are a lot easier to believe when you've been lied to. Lies are a lot easier to believe when you're scared. And so today we're going to talk about this beautiful encounter that Jesus has with the woman at the well. And let me just say this. It's, I, I liken this conversation that we're going to have with others in the weeks to come, getting ready for October. And hopefully for the rest of our lives, we're going to have a ministry where we, we don't just do the things that we talk about Jesus. Because people need to know the truth. They'll know the truth, and the truth will do What? Set them free, right? Not just we're going to give them a bucket of water and say, here, you're thirsty. It's good to dig the well, but sometimes you have to talk about Jesus, not just water, right? So she's been hurt. This woman is intelligent. She has a hard heart, and you'll find out why in a minute. It's not hard just because she's just angry or mean. She's been hurt, and calluses form where there's been these previous offenses. She presents five defenses to the love and truth that's standing right in front of her in Jesus. She has reasons, five good reasons why I'm not going to accept you, why I don't like you, why you should get away from me. She tries to be snotty. She tries to be theological. She tries to be supremacist. She tries to be arrogant. And Jesus just will not be deterred from loving this woman. How many of you guys know sometimes you just got to be stubborn? Well, she said, she well, so I, that's it, I'm done. You know, the dirt off my, how many of you guys know like after the dog, right? You know, like how many of you guys know Jesus didn't, didn't wipe the dirt off his feet? What he did was he kept pressing in because he saw someone that needed the love that only he could give. We have the same thing. So listen, listen to their chess match. We find that in John chapter four, verse one says this. Jesus, and dot, 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 because there's a bunch of other stuff, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Why are we saying, oh, because Samaria is a place that doesn't like Jewish people, doesn't like uh, rabbis who teach Jewish people. Like, it's, it's like they're going through this place, like on the way, they had to go through Taliban territory. That's what it felt like. They're going to a place where they probably could be in fear of their safety. Um, they, they believed with all their heart because the, the, the Samaritans are actually a crossbred, half-Jewish female and Assyrian male nation so what happened was they were conquered first by their own sin and then a foreign king of the Assyrians came in conquered Israel and in doing so one of the things the Assyrians did much like the Romans is they say now men go and occupy those cities speak our language not theirs obey our gods not theirs and what I want you to do is marry the women and have children why because now the bloodline will be Assyrian we're going to conquer them through basically marriage and breeding does that make sense so what they, what they did is, is now the Samaritan race is there. Well, Nehemiah comes and he says to the king, hey, I want to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, and now it's time to come back in and be Jewish and to have our city and to begin the sacrifices again. And Nehemiah says to the Samaritans, those that were half Jewish, those that were half Assyrian, he says, you can't come in because your blood is not pure. You are not really Hebrews. You're, you're actually the problem. You're the lukewarm. You're the poison that, that ends everything. You have done a bad thing. You should have never been given in marriage. I'm sorry this has affected your life, but you are not welcome amongst us. How many guys know that even then, there was like cancel culture? Like you can't come be, be a part of it. So there's, a, there's an understandable animosity that existed for generations, the bad guys, the Jews, the bad guys, the Samaritans. And so they have to go through Samaria. Now Jesus loves everybody, right? Matter of fact, when he tells about the good guy and the good Samaritan, it's a Samaritan. The parable of the good Taliban. You know, the, the parable of Osama bin Laden, who was a good guy. Like, that's, that's a tough sell, but that's what he says. You, you've understood them to be our enemies. I'm telling you, I came to unite people through the love of Christ. So he says this. Um, they side with Israel's enemies. Look, it's John chapter 4. says this. So they came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. It's near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey sat down by the well and it was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. This is an incredibly awkward moment. I'm trying I was trying this morning to think of some some equivalent. Let's say let's say you're sitting at the bus stop proudly wearing your Feel the Burn Bernie Sanders 2024 shirt. And as you're sitting on the bus stop, thinking about the rally you're on your way to, you know what I mean, I'm just, I'm so excited about this candidacy, and we're going to change the nation. All of a sudden, a guy with a MAGA hat walks up, and, and you see each other. How I many of so you guys know there's a little tension already, just saying it in this room, the alone at the bus stop, right? And next to them, there's a, there's a Biden 2024, and there's a Clinton 2097, and there's a, there's a right? And, and, and they're all, there's an awkwardness to it. Why? Because what you believe is different than what I believe. You're my enemy. You're causing division. I don't believe your ideology. I think you're bad. And all of a sudden, there's the two of them facing each other in this weird awkwardness. So Jesus breaks the awkward silence, and this is how he does it. Hey, can I have a drink of water? <laughs> now, he's breaking so many social norms. He's obliterated. He's like, this is the, he just made it worse, it's like this, like the Bernie guy say to the mega guy, "Hey, can I borrow ten bucks?" It's just, it's just. Why would you say that? The mega guy, of course, you want my money because I have a job. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just the worst thing you can say. It's, it's the absolute worst thing you can say. Because listen, because if a Samaritan drank out of a vessel, a Jew wouldn't drink out of it because now it's dirty. It's got Samaritan cooties all over it, and so a woman alone approaches a man alone, bad juju, a Samaritan approaches a Jew, bad juju, and he asks her for a drink. When she knows that the last thing, around. like mean, she thinks she's being set up to feel. Can I have a drink? Yeah, sure. Here you go. I want to drink after you, Samaritan woman. That's what she's expecting, right? So she begins with her first defense. This is the defense. People like you judge and hate people like me. Anybody ever come up against that one? I would talk to you about what you believe, but let's be honest, people like you hate people like me. How many of you guys know that there's, a, there's enough truth in it to be valid? Because people like you that, that read the Bible you read, that, that have the same skin color you have, that have the same voting records you do, that have the same, whatever it is, that the people like you have actually hurt people like me, and I've been taught not to trust people like you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's quiet today, but it's us, so we don't have to be weird about this, right? Like King Jesus 2020, all right? So people who look like Jesus had done some terrible things to people who look like her for generations. And she's absolutely stunned that he's even asking this. This is the way he breaks the awkward silence. But she mentions things like his race. You're Jewish. Mentions things like gender. Uh, you're a, I'm a Samaritan woman. Mentions things like religion because the Samaritans had a distinct expression of Judaism that the Jews didn't consider valid. It was a, it was a sellout. It was a half-breed. It was a, it was a no good. It wasn't holy unto the Lord. Because of blood, right? So this is a pretty common opening move, is it not? People like you don't have anything to do with people like me, therefore I can invalidate everything people like you say. The heavens are applauding. I don't know why you're not, right? The objections to faith in, in Jesus as Savior usually have to do with people like us. Can I just be honest with you? When I talk to people about Jesus, most often they don't want to talk about their objection isn't to Jesus. The objection is to Christianity. True sure or False. When I talk to people about Jesus, their number one objection is not what I'm saying to them. It's what someone else has said to them before I got there. It's like being punished for the sins of somebody else. And yet, if we're going to engage people lovingly, we have to give them room to be honest. And if the honest truth is I've been hurt by people like you, I can't tell you the number of times I've apologized for things I didn't do don't chuckle like it's a marriage thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? They're like, yeah, me too. Like, no, I've gone to people and they said things like, well, hey, the last church, there was a pastor when I was a kid and because my first name is Pastor, if you will, and the guy who hurt them or the woman who hurt them's first name was Pastor, it's like people like you don't like people like me. I have stories in my life about people just like you and I was hurt by you and all you want is my money and you lied to me and we were in need and you threw my mother out of the church and divorced and separated us and and you're like, no, and I'll stop and say, listen, listen, I realize you're mad and even though I'm a stranger, you're mad at me because I I share a title. When someone else shared that title, they scared you, they hurt you, they frightened you. Am I right? I said, yeah, it's okay. I'm going to sit in the same seat, and from that same seat, say to you how sorry I am that you were treated in an unloving or disrespectful way. They were wrong to have treated you like that, and I can't tell you the number of times. I bet you at least half the time, if not three-quarters of the time, they start to cry. Why? Because they want to be loved, because they want to trust because they want relationship with God. It, it isn't the product, it's the delivery system that sucks. And not me, then you're not trying hard enough. Right? So what does Jesus do? I love this. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God, he starts talking about gifts. <laughs> She's talking about racism and gender bias and politics and if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. I love that Jesus doesn't say, wait, 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 you guys did some bad things too because that's not the issue. The issue is in her politics. The issue is in her gender. At some point, she has to trust him and so he begins to speak about things that are greater that unite them than the things that would separate them. I love this. He doesn't argue old arguments. He doesn't give or receive blame. She's using the past as a defense, and Jesus moves right past her defenses. Just blitzkriegs the line. Just, Psh, I'm done. Let's talk about this. And, and, but she's not done. So she says, sir, the one said you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which is a loaded phrase, who gave us the well and drank from himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Listen, th- there's, more, um, there's more in her words than, buddy, you don't have a bucket. What she's saying is this. When she says the well, the, she says the, the, the well of Jacob, isn't it interesting that at this stage of, what, of their conversation, yeah, how many of you know there was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Jacob had the 12 tribes of Israel, right? But, but what, what did God change Jacob's name to? Anybody know? Israel. But she doesn't say the well of Israel. She says the well of Jacob. What's she doing? She's being snotty, right? I was in Columbus, Ohio, the unholy land. And, and I was meeting with a friend of mine who's a brilliant church planning director for the, the network there in, in, in Ohio, El Yano. I said, El, teach me, man. I'll just sit at your feet and all this kind of stuff. He starts introducing me to his staff. He goes, this is my friend, Jim. He's from Michigan." <laughs> I thought maybe, you know, maybe he, he hiccuped or something. This is my friend, Jim. He's from Michigan. About the third guy said, what's this Michigan stuff? He goes, we don't mention the big M this far south. Because <laughs> we're going to kill you this year. That's right. So... Well, she, she does one of those, like, this is our, this, the well of Jacob, you know, our father that you claim to, he's our father, fi- he gave us his well, what did he give you? She's being a snot, she's claiming that her views are equally valid. Defense number two, what I have is better than what you have. I have something better than what you have. Have you ever heard that one? Why do I need Christianity? Man, I'm doing better than most Christians I know. The truth is, they don't need Christianity, they need Jesus, So again, what does he do? He just keeps moving. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And that brings us to defense number three. Prove it. You're saying you've got a gift. You're saying I don't have to be thirsty. You're saying water will spring out of me. I've never seen it. I have no idea what you're talking about. So it's, it's time to put up or shut up. How many guys know sooner or later they're gonna call our bluff? Hey, God loves you. Let me call your bluff. Hey, Jesus is, is, is Lord. He's the Son of God. Let me call your bluff. Hey, Jesus does miracles. Does he? I've got a mountain that needs to be moved. How many of us know it's okay for the world to call Jesus his bluff? Oh, that was really a nondescript description. You didn't even respond. Let me try it again. If we can't put up after we've spoken up, we should probably shut up. But I'm not gonna shut up. I wanna speak up. I want to show up. I want to be a part of what God is doing. So she says, prove it. So he says, all right, (laughs) Well, The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to drink water. He told her, okay, go call your husband. Now listen, he's about to prove it. And I want you to hear me. He's about to prove it. But has Jesus been talking about water? Really, is what he's talking about is water? She's talking water. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about Life. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about trusting him as Savior and Lord. So Jesus hasn't really been talking about water. Somehow this woman is going to have to come to a place where she trusts him or salvation doesn't occur. She has to look at him like Peter looked at him and said, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God brought here to remove my sins, to forgive me and to cleanse me from this. So somehow this woman has to move into that relationship. Jesus isn't trying to change her politics. You get this? He's not trying to change her, her race. He's not trying to pacify her gender issues. What he's trying to do is get her to trust him because in the end, all that matters is that we trust God or we don't, right? So Jesus is going to move the discussion from generations, from racism, gender bias, religion, economic oppression, and religious hypocrisy to her. And this is what he says to her. He told her, go call your husband and then come back. And I don't know this because the language doesn't give us, but how many guys think there might have been a long pause? Go call your husband and, and come back here. She's like... Um, actually, no, when people break eye contact and say, um, they're getting ready to lie to you, anybody else interrogate prisoners in the military besides me? Okay. What's he doing? Some people say, well, he's going to point out her sin because the goal is to make her feel so bad that she repents and gives her life to Jesus. But I don't think that's what he's doing. I I think it's important to point out sin because sin separates men's hearts from God's hearts, Right? I think what he's doing is he's, he's putting a loving finger on the greatest source of pain and objection that she has. I, I, want you to, I want you to hear this, please. Jesus isn't there to correct her theology. He's not there to prove her wrong. He's not there to fix her religion. Jesus is there to cure the disease of sin in her life. And the cure of that is faith. So she has to grow to trust him. So instead of saying, well, um, uh, listen, there's a vowel in the middle of your name, uh, you were born on an odd number. Your favorite color is blue. He doesn't start going psychic network on her, right? What's he do? He, he doesn't just point out something there's no way he, he knows. He points out the one thing that's really keeping her from trusting anybody, not just Jesus, people. And, and, and this, is, this is what he says. She's not done fighting it, by the way, <laughs> because now she turns to theology. How many guys love it when people argue theology because all they know is one verse from the Bible. Well, well, doesn't the Bible say? It's like, yes, but it says about 40 other things around that same topic. But how nice of you to cherry pick the one that proves your point and ignore the totality of Scripture. Come on. And, and so, what well, doesn't it say that wives should submit to their husbands? It's like it said the abusive husband. Yes, that is in the Bible. But there's another verse above that talks about submitting to one another. Another verse below that talks about husbands dying for the sake of their wives. So let's not just cherry pick the one piece of theology that fits your, your preference. That's called, that's called idolatry, not theology, right? So she's about to argue theology, and this is the thing, that I just think this is funny. Jesus is known in John chapter one as the word of God. She's about to argue the word of God with the word of God. <laughs> I, I'm predicting a winner at this point. So, this is what she says, sir. The woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Doesn't mean I trust you. Thank you for pointing out my sin, you idiot. Um, our ancestors, she, she already said, like, I've, I've had five husbands, and the man I'm living with now is not, is not my husband. And he says, Yeah, that's, that's right. You don't have it. So she says, OK, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors, so good theology. Our ancestors just worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. The woman, he answers, woman, believe me, I love this verse. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. He knows that because he is salvation and he's Jewish. Yet a time is coming, listen, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. And I love this because it's just case closed. Well, yeah, it's not, like literally takes her, her religious objection, her theological, you know, Kobayashi Maru test, the no-win scenario, and he goes, it's, it's neither. It's, it's something far more personal than geography. The geography of where you sacrifice is different than the heart that sacrifices. You can go to the right geography with the wrong heart and all you're doing is killing animals and having lunch. Where you are in the spirit God there, that's what worship. So she reaches for her final defense. And it's the Sunday defense. How many of you guys know the Sunday defense? When I get my life together, when I go to shape, when, when, I, when, I, when I get in shape, I'm gonna go to the gym with you, I promise, just I have to get in shape first. How many of you guys know I'm never gonna get in shape if I don't go to the gym with him? I, I, as soon as I get done with this, then I'll start that. As soon as the season's over with, as soon as my life goes back to normal, you ever told you want your lie like that to yourself? You know what normal is? Normal is a lie that busy people tell themselves that postpones the inevitable burnout. It makes them feel less guilty as they burn themselves out. Normal is the setting on your dryer. <laughs> so the woman said, I, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, someday when he comes, one of these days, when, when he's here, like this is all too much for me, but he'll explain everything to us. Like when the chess match is lost, the only way to prevent defeat is to stand up before your checkmate and just leave the table. And that's what she's doing. I'm leaving. Like, hey, so that's fun. I've, you've refuted all my points. I've moved my pieces. You've, moved, I move mine. You capture it. I move mine again. You capture it. I move another one. You capture it. Another one. I'm down to just my king. I'm literally down to my last piece. And you corner me, and the only way for me to avoid the inevitable checkmate that's coming is to say, one of these days. One, not, not yet. Give me some time. I'm just not ready. One of these days. And, and what she doesn't know is that some days today when Jesus says this, piano guy, join me, says this. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I love that moment. When we talk to an unbelieving world, we have to be ready for conversations that have lots of objections to people like you and like me, organizations like this one. When, when, we, when we are going to share our faith in Jesus, our faith in Jesus is what we should share, not our politics, not our preferences, not our agendas. As hurts come our way that we're blamed for that we had nothing to do with, it doesn't, Piano Guy's coming, is that right? Right? I said it. Is he coming? Okay, good. I, as, as we do these things, it's not, it, like, it's okay to think I'm an idiot as long as the end of me being an idiot, you love Jesus. I can't tell you the number of debates that I have absolutely lost because I wasn't trying to win an argument. I was trying to win a soul. When we win souls, we are wise. When we win arguments, I'm not sure what we are. And sometimes we don't win them. We, we do that. We kind of Kobayashi Maru, and we move our pieces, and there and we walk away like, like we won the argument. How many of you guys know we're not here to win arguments? We're not here to win arguments. Maybe that goes deeper than you're ready to go. Let me just say it another way. We're not here to win arguments. We're not here to be right. We're here to be righteous. We're, we're not here to expose. We're here to illuminate. And when the light comes, what's in darkness that's been hiding will be exposed. And people will be given the option to reject it, to move away from it, to repent of it. Our job, as I understand it, is to present Jesus. Because when that time comes that they trust him, then our, our work, that, that first job of evangelism, it's done. We've, we've accomplished it. We are evangelists. We've we shared Jesus. Faith has come to someone else's heart. And this is what happens to her. She believes in him. She trusts him. What a beautiful moment that is. After being rejected by five guys, or rejecting five guys, I don't know which one it is, and living with a guy now that's not her husband. Maybe it's not Maybe he won't marry her. Maybe he's still married, and he's got her on the side. I, nobody knows the details of this, but now all of a sudden, understand what she was looking for in those relationships is someone just a stinking lover, just to be there again tomorrow morning and not be gone. She's been treated like like garbage, like recycled humanity, like less than. And so she doesn't trust anybody because people hurt me, so I don't trust People. She's, she's been used. So I'm not going to give you a drink of water because I know what you want next. And I'm done. I don't trust you. I don't like you. You're a man. I'm a woman. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And in the end, what Jesus does is he leads her to trusting him, which is what we're supposed to be doing as well, leading people to trust Jesus. They'll say, put up or shut up. Well, we should put up. Everybody know that a presentation of the gospel is most powerful after a presentation, a, a, a demonstration of the gospel. Does that make sense? Like, we're gonna, be, we're gonna be loving these kids in the month of October, Sunday mornings. We're gonna be doing these special services. We're gonna be praying for people. We got worship. We got outreach coming up this weekend. We got, like, let me tell you, that the gospel is far more present when we have done what the gospel declares is true than when it's just information being disseminated. I have nothing against tracks. I have nothing against, you know, leaving information. There's a nice tip and a a little gospel track. I think that's wonderful. I I think there's seeds planted. But understand this. Would it be better to just just be like Jesus and then tell people about Jesus? Would that be more effective? So I I encourage you guys. She's born again. She trusts him. She tells all of her friends. And I I just want to kind of share this last part here that I... I think the thing that keeps us from those conversations, it, and we could just say, like, what is it that keeps us from those conversations? You say, well, I'm scared. What if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer. What if they say God didn't send you? All the things that Moses said to the burning bush, we would say back to God today. But here's where I want to land the plane today. It's simply here. Jesus was being guided and given words by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? He, he was accomplishing the Father's will, Yes. He's not on his own trying to build his own kingdom, his own agenda, his own, well, his own kingdom. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he's the king, so he has a right to. But we're, we're not trying to build our denomination or our, our congregation. or Like, he's just trying to let the world see the light so in the light they can repent of the darkness that's in them and turn to him and be saved. And I would just say this. As he's doing that, I, it's almost like, have you ever had seen the in-ear monitor where someone tells the guy what to say? Inside my heart, many times, I haven't audibly heard God's voice, but, but in other ways, I know what God is saying. I have been in the middle, and so have you, many of you, in the middle of answering a question that I don't know the answer to, and words are coming out of my mouth, and I'm hearing it for the first time just like the listener is. Anybody been there? What's that? Well, that's, that's a word of wisdom. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. There's been times where I knew something about somebody. There's, I have no way of knowing, but I know that it's like I know that I know, and I'll just, I'll just talk about it as if I already know, and people will say, why, why do you say that? I'm like, because I know. Because God loves you because God showed this to me and I just, I'm, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. And that's the that's word of knowledge. Sometimes I don't know what I'm doing but just be a word of faith. Like, but God's gonna do this. And when God shows up and does it, I may just know that the gifts of the spirit are for today and most of us have experienced them, but it wasn't, it wasn't like tongues or interpretation or prophecy. So it, it didn't feel like a gift of the spirit. I would say most people that know Jesus operate in the gifts of the spirit on a regular basis, but they call it intuition. They call it, I had a feeling. They call it, I don't know how I knew, I just knew. But God calls those things are impartations of his spirit given to you at a precise moment in a precise way so you can be precise with words, with truth, with relationship. I mean, you not know what I'm talking about. Have you ever experienced what I'm talking about? Like God, like, I've been in the middle of answering, like marriage counseling. Well, he does this and she does that, and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I hear this word, like, you know, orange marmalade. <laughs> like, I don't want to say, does orange marmalade sound good to you right now? I don't know what to do with it, Right? But then they'll say, well, it's kind of like orange marmalade. You know, it's got this nasty stuff in it. That's why old people like it, because they can't taste anything anymore. And I'm making this up. This never happened. But you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's orange, but it's not really. And it's marmalade, which is just a strange word for jelly from another country. And it has texture in it. How I many of you guys know jelly should not have texture? Jam should not have texture. It should be, it should be like hard Kool-Aid. That's what it should be on toast. And you say, we're, we're, and all of a sudden this beautiful analogy comes out of my face, and I'm hearing it for the first time, just like the people I'm talking to are hearing it for the first time. I'm not saying that was one of them, by the way. I'm just saying. But it starts with me being obedient and opening my mouth. And when I'm obedient to open my mouth, it is very common that God fills my mouth with words that I've never heard before. Where does that come from? Let me introduce this thought to you and we'll close. It comes from the third person of the Trinity, God the Father. God the Son, come on. God the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, when you say, I see Jesus, like, should I trust you? When we do that, th- there's this brand new, that revelation opens up a brand new world for us. We are as if we were born all over again. We're life, death, death, life. We're, that's where we're baptized, in the grave, out of the grave. Like, it's this is brand new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we're new creations, we're new creatures. Uh, John 3.3 says we're born again. And with that comes this third person, the Trinity, living inside of us, the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's sometimes, it's like, I don't have to say, so I'm not gonna say anything. I don't have to do, so I'm not gonna do anything. But it's funny, when the Holy Spirit's inside of me moving me, I I feel like, how many of you guys know that when Jim Henson's hand wasn't inside of Kermit, it was just a rag. It was just a sock with two eyes. But when that hand came inside, was Kermit the Frog here? Miss Piggy. you know what I mean, whatever, Right? That, like, that's, that's the way I want to live my life. It's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives inside of me. And this life I live. I live dead. I live for Jesus. I li- And God, would you speak through me to people? And I'm telling you today that what you need is not training, not courage. What you need is an impartation of the Holy Spirit. You need God to fill you. So we're going to do something I haven't done in a long time. Participate in it, don't participate in it. But before we go, we're gonna do this together. Anybody here today say, you know what, I, I would, if God would give me of boldness, I, I receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and I will be his witnesses. I'd like to be his witness. And I, I will admit, the, the thing that keeps me from is I'm not confident, I'm not experienced, I'm not bold enough, I'm not, but, but if God would give that to me, I would be obedient with what he gives me. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? So this what we're gonna do. And don't feel compelled. This isn't a stand-up contest. This isn't a run to the altars first contest. It really isn't. But I feel like if, if we have the boldness to ask, God has the generosity to give. You know, which of you, if your son asks you for a sandwich, you hand him a rock, go, you know, eat up. Hey, I want a poppy. Okay, here's a rattlesnake. Like it's, and this is, this is kind of a paraphrase of Scripture. So, so if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask and you shall. Seek and you will. Knock on the door will be. See, mime helps So ask, knock, seek. So today, before we close, anybody here today, like, you know what, if God would give me a whamma jamma, I'd give it away. If the Holy Spirit would come on me and give me boldness, I'd be bold. If he gave me words to speak, I'd speak them. We're not saying when this happened, just literally it's an act of obedience to the truth of scripture, I believe that what I need, Peter at the fire denied Christ, Peter under fire did terrible things, but then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he's not at the fire, he's not under fire, the dude's on fire what happened? He had, he went to a class? No, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. When he got filled with the Holy Spirit, what came out of him was what was in him. Fear was in him, so fear came out. The Holy Spirit was inside of him, so the Holy Spirit came out. Come on. So today, I'm going to, in just a moment, you have to do it right now, but those who want to be on this closing prayer, open heart, um, I want to pray for you that God would fill you with the Holy Spirit this morning, give you boldness to be his witness. If you want that today, you want a refresher of that today, you want this for the first time today, then, then I'm going to ask, are you ready? This isn't like a milk the cow, just if you're ready. If you're ready, stand to your feet. That would signify that we're, I want to do this. And you don't have to do this. You don't understand this. You don't want this. That's cool. Like, I'm really, I'm not trying to, you know, make blood come out of the udders. You know, that's, that's not the point. That's not the point. That's not the point. All right. Uh, close your eyes all over this room. There's those moments in life, Father, where I find myself being utterly and completely at your mercy what they stood for is what you have in abundance and I don't don't stand to give it to them, I stand to receive with them I need a refreshing of your Holy Spirit I need a, a new empowerment, we stand today God, because you are the one that we are looking to now to fill us you're the one we're looking to now to wash us. You're the one that we, we look to now to give us words to speak and a heart that breaks for the lost and a, a mind, God, that doesn't, doesn't wander all over the map, but it's just just fixed on you. To love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength as a supernatural commandment that we, we can obey, but only by the, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So my hands are lifted high. My heart is wide open. As are the people in this congregation right now, We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us, baptize us, immerse us, drench us, soak us in the person of the Holy Spirit. May gifts begin to flow from these hands and from these mouths. Our hearts be attuned to everything you say. Such a beautiful, dangerous prayer. But we pray it now, God, fill us and send us. Fill us and use us. To fill us and, and cause us to be your hand extended. We recognize we're, we're just empty socks without the Spirit. We can do all things through Christ, not by power, not by might, but by your Spirit. We can do all things. So we pray for a boldness to witness. We pray for a, a boldness, God, to speak when we would have been silent just a moment ago. We, we pray for an empowerment. Even like, like as we're starting to speak, there'll be a part of us that goes, What are you doing? And we'll say, I, I don't know. And when it's all over, we'll say, man, it was just good to be used by God. We pray for those that you'll send our way, that you give us a patience that you gave to Jesus that day, an unoffendability of our hearts. Broken hearts tend to break other people's hearts hurt people tend to hurt people help us to see what you see when you send us to people and even now I believe you're putting people's faces and names and places and occasions God people that we gave up on that we need to re-engage or people we are going to meet today at the restaurant but I just pray God as we as we take you up on your offer to empower us maybe walk in great power power of the Holy Spirit power of the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit now moving through us in unique and beautiful ways I do not want to dismiss a church service, God. I want to unleash an army on an unsuspecting city that is big in your eyes, that is wonderful and central, God, in your plans. So I pray right now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you would unleash this army upon an unsuspecting city They can fight Christianity, but we bring Christ. They can can fight us with politics, but we bring Christ. They can fight us with gender and race and economic. We bring Christ. We bring Christ. May they believe you and be saved, we pray. If you're here today and you're like, man, I want to believe, then do that right now. God, I trust you. Just like this woman went through all those arguments, those have been my arguments. But today I put down the barricades and the barriers and I simply trust you. Living water, I trust living water is on its way. I trust my life has changed. I trust my sins are forgiven. I trust that you've paid enough to redeem me. That my sins are washed away. My my past, my indiscretions, my fears, my doubts, that they they are drowned in your love. And now, God, I joyfully tip my king over, as you say, checkmate, and I surrender to your lordship. Have your way now, I pray, in every life. And every heart and everyone said, Amen. Stand your feet, please, all over this room. You're here today, and uh, yeah, may God thrill you and spill you.